Thank you for joining us this afternoon for our last university session. This has been a great conference. We're here to learn how to use market stats to close more deals. And the person I'm going to introduce, I've had the distinct pleasure of working with this individual for the better part of almost 10 years now. So, um, he's one of our industry's leading thought leaders. Um, his command of information, what's going on in the industry, statistics, and how to utilize that to provide better service uh, to his clients is something amazing. So, I've had the pleasure of working with him on our Rethink Council, um, where he's helped shape uh, some of the products and ideas that have come out of that, which is the Millennial Council for BHHS. Um, Jake is just an all-around great guy, tremendous uh, worker, tremendous athlete, um, and just a great part of our network. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jake Green. How did we get all of you to attend the staff's class, the life planning class? Who are you people? Right? And did you picture me up here with Coke bottle glasses and in Excel doing spreadsheets? I can do that, but really where I've made my living in my career is not the collection of data, it's bringing it to life, okay? And you'll find that a lot of people kind of have this sort of attitude about statistics, right? I mean, does anyone resonate yet? Yes. So I'm going to say half of you came here because you feel like this, but you want to see what I'm going to do. And the other half are really looking for data. Okay? Well, in an hour class, we can't dive too deep into spreadsheets and data, and I'm not going to show you how to do a crystal ball analysis in Excel. But what I am going to show you to do, what to do is to bring the market to life for your clients and to use information and data in a colorful way so that you can convince them to do what you want them to do, okay? So, another thing about statistics is if you feel like this, I can change your opinion like that. Think of a set of numbers. If you go further into all these numbers, you just might start seeing more numbers and falling asleep. But if you put a dollar sign in front of it, what does that mean, okay? People are often up or down, they're drawn to numbers with dollar signs in front of them, okay? A little bit about myself first. Um, sold over a half billion in 15 years. I was a solo producer, then started a team. Some of my team members are here. We're known as Team Utah Cribs in Utah. Uh, I've managed two luxury brands, uh, Berkshire being one, and the other I won't tell you, but uh, started it up in Utah with well. Um, started and ran four other ancillary real estate businesses. I find real estate's one of the best opportunities to be an entrepreneur, as many of you know. And uh, everything from software company, construction company, uh, we've owned, remodeled, done over 100 units, flips, rentals, I'll show you some of those in a second. And then as Jason mentioned, uh, I was on the Rethink Council when it started in its inception uh, five or six years ago, Berkshire Hathaway. And then I ran that the last couple of years, um, was a broker liaison to that. Here's some of our projects in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, all these have been done within the last three years. Um, many of them have been designed by my brother and I. We do this on the side because my main business still is production and selling. But I'm not showing you this to boast. I'm showing you to 
later on paint a picture of how I even use data and statistics to help me do this on the side. Okay? And uh, all of them except for this one and the top middle were ones we designed ourselves with no architect. Okay? So, I would say about 10 years into my career when I was still rather young and had some success, you can read my bullet points while I talk. Because I don't stand here and read my bullet points, you know, and I go off script quite a bit. But I, uh, I started getting a question, and I was having some success in production. We were doing these cool houses. Uh, we were in the newspaper for having done the first uh, fully solar and geothermal house in one of our uh, neighborhoods in downtown Salt Lake that was getting regentrified. And I started finding that people would ask in a different way, but the most common question I was getting in my career behind, hey, how's the market, was what's that one thing you do to have success? Well, if you boil it down to one thing, you only have 30 seconds, what can you tell me that you do that will help me have success? And as I taught agents more and more, I thought, I don't know, I don't want to be cliche, but what is that? It took me a while to kind of put that into a bottle, but for me, and only for me, you have to define it what it is for yourself. But for me, it literally became using information to paint the right picture and make it understandable to everyone. Okay? And I'll show you how that, how that works. That's what we're going to learn about today. So you're here probably for a little self-exploration, a little bit of learning, and I'll tell you the only person that doesn't really need to stay in this class. Who's a 10 out of 10 on personality? I mean, you're just, okay? If you don't know what I mean, let me describe it this way. My business partner, who's holding down the fort back in Salt Lake City right now for us, I started with him 14 years ago. If he wants to turn on the charm, he's a 10 out of 10. So you know you're a 10 personality-wise. If you go into a listing appointment, and you don't bring a listing presentation, you don't have any comps or data, but you walk around or you've got the DocuSign or whatever ready in your, on your iPad or you've got the listing agreement in your hand, and this is what he does. And I've seen it well over a thousand times in my career. Goes in, oh, Smith family. Oh, wow, you guys going to Hawaii? When, when did you go to Hawaii last year? Oh, I love Hawaii. Let me tell you about Conopoly Beach, blah, blah, blah. Hour later, he's their best friend. He's sliding documents in front of them. They sign. They never look at the commission amount. If you have the ability to do that, you can take off. <laughs> the rest of us, we really gotta have a value proposition. People gotta have a reason to want to use us, especially as we get a little disrupted, as we see a lot of new agents the last six years entering the market. What's that value proposition? If I show you mine today, it might help and resonate. So take anything you can. But really what you want to do is discover what that is for you and hone in on that, okay? So, what do stats mean to me when we're talking market data? I consider myself a market expert, probably took me 10 years to get there. I always have an elevator pitch ready for how's the market. Who gets asked that? I gotta believe everyone, I mean in one way, shape, or form, even if you're, if you're new and you're not asked that, as soon as your sphere starts resonating you with real estate, I've told a lot of my new agents that takes four to five years of staying in the business. When that starts happening, trust me, 
you don't need to bring it up. You don't need to walk around. I haven't had business cards for years. Like, paper business cards. People are just going to ask you. They know you're in it. You have to dinner on the weekend. You don't got to be the awkward person Thank bringing you. up real estate. They're going to bring it up to you. People like talking about real estate. So I always have that elevator pitch ready, and I'll show you mine after you show me yours. Okay? Real data resonates with people. One of the most difficult things for me, and what started honing me in on my skills in real estate and data collection, was that I heard cross signals all the time. Well, the media is saying this, but then, you know, my seller still thinks the market's super strong, and it's Salt Lake City as it is around a lot of the nation right now, we just finished talking about a six-year super hot market. So agents are a bit jaded. We're all used to these words like appreciation, low inventory, and taking an overpriced listing because if you just wait long enough or in my market to next spring, it'll probably appreciate eight to 12%, so it's just gonna sell. So you can push the seller off with questions until next spring, it'll, you'll catch up to your inflated price, right? So as I heard mixed signals from the media, mixed signals from my clientele, mixed signals even in the industry, I started going, well, I'm going to collect real data. My elevator pitch is going to be full of real data so that not in a confrontational way, but in an educational way, I can explain to my clients really quickly how the market really is. Okay? And what I have found is that even consumers who think they're maybe not going to use you. Uh, we have a, a, a big discounter in our market that's that's uh, really grown this year. And it's pretty popular, and they have a lot of billboards on our main freeway that runs through Salt Lake City. <clears throat> and so my clientele, most of my sphere is probably 40 years old and under. So we had 167 closings last year, 67 million in production. 96% of that was sphere-based, not lead gen, I don't do any of that, I work a traditional business. And uh, I would say about half more were clients age of 40 and under. And a lot of them, I have sold them their first condo, then their starter home, and now they're upgrading to a family home. And they will call me saying they contracted a for sale by owner, or they found a house in another way, but they don't dare to transact until they talk to me about it. I was really frustrated as an agent, especially if you're not doing commission at this point. But I probably get that monthly, my team knows this. So start asking yourself, wow, how can I really have such a value proposition that my clientele or people who've used me in the past don't dare to transact without talking to me? So let me ask you, how's the market? I need three or four of you to answer, how's your market? Okay, good, I like that. I've taught this a lot, you're the first person to do that. I wanted somebody to do that. Okay, what'd you say? Say it a little louder. Who are you? Okay, that's actually the first thing you should do. How's the market? It's really opportunistic. Let me ask you, why do you ask? Are you a buyer or a seller? Are you trying to invest? Your message is different depending on. So be careful to just launch into how's the market. All right, I'm a seller. How's the market? Who can tell me about their market? Why would I want to sell in your market right now? Okay, so if inventory is low, there's less competition. That's a solid data point you can bring up, for sure. Okay. 
area, what type of real estate are you selling? Are you an investor? Um, competitors, my competitors would say I've shot myself in the foot, but it's been a good two years since I've advised any of my investor buyers to buy any sort of rentals, multifamily rentals in my market. Why? Well, you can waste tons of time with them and have them finally get to a spreadsheet during due diligence where they're like, this return stinks. <laughs> to then finally cancel the transaction. Or you can be a market expert up front, say, honestly, right now in our market, Salt Lake City, average cap rate 6.2%, and most of the active properties are even inflating that, and they're using what I call a false cap, which is really not even taking out expenses, doing a cap rate at five, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're getting a loan, you're not gonna make money, and your cash on cash return's even worse. Do that once or twice in your career with a big investor, you have a client for life. Because guess what every other agent's telling them? Well, let's go look at property. I'll sell you something, right? And then they're just hoping it's a good return, okay? Anybody else? How's the market? I'm a, I'm a buyer now. Why would I want to buy in the market? Okay, good time to negotiate. Interest rates. Interest rates. Somebody give me the interest rate reason. Like, dive a little deeper into that. Okay, your buying power. You can do the for every 1%, you know, you can buy this. Uh, yep. Yep. So your buying power goes down as soon as they go up. Um, Better opportunity to use that, that that money now. So if you combine interest rate and appreciation, you can run some calculations on what it's really going to cost them to wait, right? So let me show you, I'll give you my elevator pitch, and then I'll show you what I do to kind of have working numbers in my head all the time to answer how's the market. I do this for myself. I also do this for our entire uh, Berkshire operation in the city of Utah. My owner has 31 offices. I'll show you my back-end spreadsheet where I collect data for him, and then I'll show you how marketing makes it come to life. Because you're going to walk a path with me today where gathering the information is one thing, but how you say it and how you make it come to life is the art form, and that's a bigger deal. So if anybody's scared when I start opening spreadsheets, don't worry about it. The data collection is, is rather easy, and I gotta keep it pretty normal because we all have different MLS systems. Um, but the art form is making it come to life. So my elevator pitch, I'll, I'll usually say, oh, it's a really opportunistic market because that doesn't define a buyer or seller. So if someone says, how is it? It's really opportunistic, a lot of great things going on. Let me, uh, tell me why do you ask. So I'm really just trying to define what are they selling? Are they a buyer or a seller or an investor? What's going on here? <clears throat> Usually just by asking that, I can get a response rather quick, and then I'll say, well, let me give you a little history of Salt Lake. Um, median price in our market was 267,000 at the peak prior to the recession. Our recession downturn was from 2008 to 2012. During that time frame, median price lost 34%. By now, people's eyes are glazed over. And they go, wait, what do you mean? And I'm like, you really don't even need to remember any of that. The bottom line is most Salt Lake City residents lost a third of what their home was worth during the recession, but that's old news. So you kind of take the numbers and data and then you give it a more simpler tone. People lost a third in four years. 
We bottomed out at 190 median price in Salt Lake City. But that's the old news. What's unprecedented is that in two years and one quarter in our market, we erased that entire downturn. Now step back, who might I be talking to? Well, if I'm talking to a buyer who just said, my dad said to wait a little while, because we think the market's gonna crash again, right? And I go, well, I mean, we declined a third, it was made up in two years and a quarter, and now what's it done the last four? For the last six years in my market, median price appreciation has been double digits, okay? Well, let's take median price if you're a first-time home buyer, and let's add a little interest rate fluctuation to that. And let's say, hmm, if you decide to rent for a year, the same house is gonna cost you $752 more at the exact same time next year. And I'm not making that up as a sales pitch to scare you, I'm warning you that waiting costs you money. What's one of the most common things you hear from, from buyers, especially first-time home buyers? Hey, should, well, we really should go out this Saturday, market's heating up, it's spring, this is what you're telling them. And they say, well, I mean, I want to, but we're not in a rush. Anyone ever get that? I get I'm not in a rush all the time. Does anyone get, well, I don't like anything that's existing right now, and I've looked at everything on Zillow and Trulia, and unless you have access to other listings, then I'll wait for the right house to come along? Everyone get that one? Okay, here's my favorite one-liner to those answers because you'll start finding most buyers have that doubt. Oh, that's cool, you care about money? <laughs> I'll seriously do that. My team certainly do that. Really, you care about money? Well, yeah, of course I care about money. Based on the last six years since we bought them out in the recession, every day you wait is costing you more money. And I can show you how. All right. Let's get a little more technical. Don't get scared. This is my little back-end Google Doc sheet that I will update um, once a quarter. And it seems daunting. I've got the counties down here that I like to track. Okay, A lot of you have MLS systems that, are, that, that do this for you. So I'm gonna show you my MLS system in a bit and how you can just screen, screenshot reports an hour class is really fast, so I can't dive into all my methods, but suffice to say, I'm more about speed than I am about quality of data. You need to go out and sell. You can't spend all day crunching spreadsheets and making it look great. And if no one knows about it, it's not a tool being used in, a, in your business, it's a waste of time. But gathering the data gives me a leg up on the competition because I know real numbers. I don't just quote uh, a local uh, news article, okay? So I will simply track um, sales, median price, average price, single family versus condos versus towns, and once a quarter I'll go in and update this. And then if you know Excel at all, it's really easy to divide this year by last year and get percentages on appreciation and things like that. And then I'll just kind of color code it so I can see um, what was uh, what was up, what was down, and you have that at a, at a quick grasp for you. Okay. Now, collecting it is one thing, but the art form is how you bring it to life. So, let me show you some of the things we do, and then Joe, you can come pull that presentation back up. So, what I do is I provide this Google Doc to um, 
our marketing department or our Utah office. And then they will just take those columns and spreadsheets and everybody jumps into the data. They will, my MLS has these six reports. They show them to me. Or I'll get emails after. Well, in my market, the only thing I can get from my MLS is a little report that tracks median price, unit sales, and uh, something that our local board associations, and they send it to me. What can I do with this? I don't know, you got it all wrong. You don't even need to look at any of that yet. The first thing you gotta do is ask yourself, what is my point? Next, okay, now go on the collection side. Now go find the data that you need to find to prove your point. I promise you, promise, 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 if you leave this class and you go to use either your MLS or whatever your other uh, statistical gathering of information area is, you may be frustrated the first time, but it goes wildly faster. <clears throat> I'm gonna show you some things that I've produced in email that you're gonna go, it took him all day to write that email. And it really takes me five to 15 minutes to answer a very robust developer question as to whether he should buy a tract of land and if his development's gonna pencil and what he should build or not, okay? You can get very fast at the prove part, which is collecting and gathering. The last part is the art form, okay? The first two are factual steps you can walk through. The third is what you can spend your whole career getting good at. And that's defining a point, quickly gathering the data to prove it, but then painting the right picture so that you're able to translate what we go through in the market, should I invest now, should I not, is a good time to buy my first home or not, and then paint a picture to prove your point. So all we're gonna do with the rest of the time we have is walk through a few examples of how I make this come to life for my clientele. All right, fairly often, and I don't do a lot of new construction, I'm not a new construction dedicated agent, but we do our own with our building company, and then I represent a few here or there. But I am known in our market really well for knowing residential data and statistics, and so I've collected over a half million in referral fees in the last probably three years from other agents asking me to come advise on land deals, and then I'll just take a referral fee. So here's a couple of signs. You're all familiar with signs like this. And you get an investor, you get a developer, you get someone that just got a little bit of money and wants to try their first land flip, who knows? But they just ask you, hey, this Fizbo's for sale. What can I build here? What's gonna pencil? You've got two paths you can go down, right? You can start down the, I'll do all your due diligence for you and talk to the city and municipality and check zoning and all that jazz. But really that's kind of for the builder developer. Or you can say, all right, I've got a general idea of that, but what would pencil here? So, let me show you what I build to answer that question. So the first thing I thought in trying to get a point was, well, I want one of two outcomes here. I either want to get a commission and sell the land, but who knows what happens if you do that one time and your developer's investment goes really bad. Do you have a client for life? No. No, right? So sure, I want a commission, but long-term view, 
I want a client for life. You have a developer for life. Well, that's a whole other ballgame because this translated into 25 townhomes that uh, are now under construction and we'll be selling those this fall. Represents about 18 million in, in sales that we'll have this year. And it'll be a hot project. So my next question is, I want to prove what type of product can go here and if it pencils. And then to follow up, you know the questions that come along with this, guys. Then your developer's gonna say, well, how long's it gonna take to sell them? Well, I mean, how big should I build them? Well, do they need a two car or a one, tour, one car? You can dive deep. We're gonna keep this up to level just because of our time constraints. But on the left side is condos. On the right side is townhomes. This may seem extremely daunting to you, and your developer is going to be super impressed if you produce something like this. And no, I did not hand code all this from scratch. Okay? If your MLS has capabilities like mine does, and most of yours do, you need to click around. They may not be robust, they may be more robust. But these are just screenshots on my desktop of PDF reports that I can print out. And then we got Gino next door, come on. <laughs> And then I'm just pasting them onto what looks like Excel, but this is just an online Google Drive file, okay? So I cut this graph out. All right, developer, in that area, this is all of Salt Lake City, here's what condos have done for the past year. The blue line is median price, the green line is the number of units listed, the black line is the number of units sold. We'll talk about down here in a minute. Right side, same thing for counts. All right, step one. I've produced all this before I show said developer, we need to ask ourselves, what was I trying to prove? And does it work? Does it fit? Well, if I was investing in a piece of land, I'd first want to know, is the market still going up for that type of product? Condos, still going up with the blue line. And that's a quarterly snapshot. Towns, when to trend down. Should we be really scared about that? In one quarter, they went from 195 to 189. Statistically, we could kind of answer that with a bunch of, you know, a bunch of other things we could dive into. And so then we take the same data that's in our graph, and as we scan down, I extrapolate that to a table. So again, my MLS has the capability of doing this. I didn't go uh, pull all this out and, and hand code it. But most of yours have similar capabilities. Cut base that. Looks like on average, if you're gonna build a condo product, it's two bed, two baths that are selling. Town's average, three bed, three bath. So you better do about that big, and 1,600 square feet is the median square footage, based on about 1,000 sales last year. All right, and then as we go down, I'm now up here is Salt Lake County, so that's the entire county. And right here is the specific market that that tract of land was in. So that's a, a sub-neighborhood called Sandy, right? Here's how many are active, under contract sold. Here's how they've appreciated. Great. Now you have the data. You want them to close the transaction. You, 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 you've got a point. You're starting to formulate it. Here's kind of the high sale comps. And again, that's just a screenshot. I know how most of your MLSs work. I could have printed out the sheets, but it's easy for, for my developer to make a quick snap decision if I can gather all this in one area for him and make it look kind of pretty like that. All right, so 
we got sort of far, but this is the part where a lot of people go, all right, I have all this, it looks pretty good, but I'm not sure what to say to my client. So I'll do a summary at the bottom. My quick take, number one, condos are much tougher to finance than towns. For that reason alone, if towns can be built, I would develop towns. Having said that, should this go to condos here? A few conclusions after reviewing the statistics. There are no comps to Sandy. There is no comparable high-rise product. If you look at all of Salt Lake City, the most expensive per foot units that have sold are in urban walkable ski areas. The Sandy piece would fit that bill. Having said that, this looks to be, most of these developments have been built are around 1,000 square feet in size for condo units. They've got to have views, have to have high ceilings, private garage and private parking, and 300s is going to be your absolute max. That killed it for this guy. So it went from a possible 44-unit um, condo building to a 25-unit townhome building, and uh, we had 337 people either give us their information off of a sign we stuck here and or the social media marketing we did. 337 people over a six-month period put their name in a half of reservations. We only had 25 to sell. Okay? And that's under construction now, and that'll be finished by this, this September. Um, the other track of land, the other sign that he called on, um, which was the one next to that other picture, um, that's going to be a 52-unit development that hopefully start next spring. Okay, so we gather, we ask ourselves, what's my point? We go gather some information to prove it. But back to our art form of painting a picture. Um, my team has been rather well known for our videos. Here's our YouTube vlog. We do some funny, funky things. We show our clients how our CRM works, because every agent says, oh, yeah, I got a CRM, work like the lead for you, we actually show them. Um, been on the news a bit. But let me show you how I make statistics come to life. And this is really what I've been doing for. This is five minutes, try not to tune me out. Hopefully it shows you how data really comes to life. Thanks for tuning into our web blog. Today I'm filming perhaps our most loved and or most hated video that we do every year. It depends on your position and what action you took earlier this year. So we're in the habit of predicting on April 1st, April Fool's Day every year, what the second quarter of appreciation is going to do in Salt Lake County. The reason we do this is you most often see the most appreciation in any given year in the second quarter of that year in Salt Lake. We're just a seasonal market, and that's how it is. In fact, it bugs me when news stories quote the appreciation we saw in a prior year, because it's not linear. You don't see houses go up 10% from January to December. In fact, you see booms and busts, even in certain small segments, sectors, and locations. So let's get to the point. What did 2017 do? Before I tell you, let me remind you what the prior years have done. When the recession ended in late 2011, early 2012, in that year, the second quarter of Salt Lake County, 2012, saw the median price of a single family home go up 12%. 2013 saw the same thing, 12%. 2014 saw 4%. 2015 saw 12.97%. And 2016 saw 6.2%. 
So we've seen five years of solid appreciation in the second quarter. In fact, I'm going to have this graph pop up on the screen. And what you want to pay attention to is the blue line. You can see I've reversed it back all the way to 2012. And in 2012, the bottom of the market, the median price for a single-family home in Charlotte County was $190,000. We'll now pan over to the far right side of your screen, and you'll see that in the second quarter of 2017, which just ended, the median price for a single-family home is $330,000. Yes, that's five years and one quarter, and your home went up almost 75%. You may think that's crazy. You may also think we've created a second bubble that's about to burst. Most experts would tell you that's actually dead wrong. In fact, Salt Lake has a 40-year history of seeing median price double in between every eight or eight to 12 years. So it's rather shocking, but real estate is often a long-term play. And if you wait it out, you'll see that appreciation, even having lived through the recession like we did. So let's summarize. We're not slick-rick sales guys here at Detox Traders, and I know we've often repeated this message, but our point to you is that we educate you so you make an educated decision on the market. We had so many buyers early this spring, and I know this is hard to hear, but if you wouldn't have bought a home on April 1st in Salt Lake County, median price was $305,000. If you waited until this week of July, in only 90 days, you saw median price pop up to 330000 These are real numbers. What did that cost you? Over $8,000 a month to wait. Almost $25,000 in 90 days is how much your median price of a home in Salt Lake went up. That's 8.3%. So here's the most common statement we get from buyers in our team. I'll wait for the right house to come along, or I've got time, I'll wait, or I'm going to watch interest rates, or I'm going to save more money. Are you saving more than 8000 a month? Because if you aren't, the market appreciation I told you, I tell them. Oftentimes, the best deal you're going to get in this type of market is the deal you get today, or tomorrow, or this weekend. Um, they're not necessarily the luxury of waiting around. So, once again, let us educate you. Let us look specifically at the area and price range you're looking at because these numbers change depending on the price range or area you're in. And we're quoting uh, median prices for Salt Lake County. Let me say one more thing. Inventory is still low. June of 2017 had 1,326 single-family home closing in that month um, with almost half a billion in Salt Lake County. All of those homes combined were only on the market for an average of eight days. Yes, again, those statistics are different in the luxury price range, but if you group them all together, median days on market was eight days. That's extremely low. So you've got to have your ducks in the right as well. Again, we educate you so you can make an educated decision when it comes to your real estate. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so let's come full circle, circle here. <coughs> Who's gone to a session during this convention and thought, yeah, I really got to get a blog going or something like that? Who's thought maybe, well, I'll do that, but man, video's getting popular and a bunch of people said to use video and I got to do that. Or who thought, yeah, everyone's getting CRMs that are working and I, I, I really got to get that going. 
Here's the deal. I'm bringing all these up because I have found at these conventions that yes, signing up for or buying the tool that you think you need is the first step. But unless you leave with a way to use it and a real way to use it in your business, a way that's really gonna help you establish yourself as a market expert, then you're not gonna use the tool. We can have the coolest tools. I mean, CRM's been out forever and they're constantly changing and none of, no one's dominated in the real estate space, okay? In fact, we use one that's just a Gmail add-on because we got so jaded with, with different CRMs. But I like to give you this information because the format in which you choose to use it, okay, the tool that you go buy to use it or just the way you choose can be unique to you. What I mean by that is there's my example of a way that we have video, we have data, we have statistics come to life. Who, who thinks they could do that? And honestly, tell me if you think you could or you couldn't. I mean, you, you really, this is easy. You really can. So that's not a house, that was a fake green room behind me. Okay? Um, but you don't need that elaborate setup. If you have this, you can kind of make it stay on your desktop like that. I put it against my screen at my office. And I did this last Friday to answer a question. I said, Chris, is the green room ready? He's like, eh, it's gonna take a little while, the battery's not charged, I said, forget it. Put this on my screen, hit record, and yeah, it's not edited, it doesn't look perfect. So, step one's your format. Step two, is the data I went in there impossible for anyone to get? Can you all get that data? Yes. How long would it take you? Like, you, you're all agent. You know what I was talking about, right? Right. Yeah, you didn't need much. I mean, yeah, I spent five minutes, blah, 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 proving the points, but I only had one graph, and all I did is go back and look at median price the last five years. So that took maybe five minutes to pull out the MLS. You can customize it for a little neighborhood and zip code. If you're an expert there, you can expand it to your entire county. So back to point, prove, paint. Gathering the data and collecting is not tough, but that's the hurdle you gotta get yourself over. You gotta leave today and go, all right, how do I get data? Are there statistics on my MLS? And just get in the habit of looking at them. Looking at them. Does anyone remember the first year or two they were a new agent and they actually loved, even if they didn't have a client, just like surfing the MLS? <laughs> Checking out houses, learning what a deal is. Oh, I don't know if this is a deal, right? So if you apply that same passion, to going and grabbing data, statistics, graphs, I'm telling you, it goes from daunting to like super exciting. And you get really fast at it. Just like you started memorizing ski keystrokes a few years in in your MLS system. The more you surf, the more you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tap, 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 putting in this street. You're really fast at looking for those houses. Data comes the same way. Then the art form is how you're going to deliver it. For me, doing that, doing video is the easiest. Okay, because you can spend five minutes gathering, you kind of know the point you want to prove, and you got two paths you can take with your data collection. Am I answering a specific question for a client? And let me make this clear, because this has really helped my career as well. If you're answering a specific question for a client, I don't care if they're a buyer, seller, investor, whatever, and you're pretty sure you're competing, Use real data and real numbers, and this might sound silly, but actually remember this or write it down. 
quote the real number. If it's last year in Salt Lake, Salt Lake County, 10,862 homes sold, say 10,862. Because you come off as an expert if you're quoting the real numbers instead of just, oh, hey, here's a general summary of what went on in my market. Because guess what? That's what all your competitors are doing. Why are your competitors doing it that way? They don't know. They're just regurgitating something they heard at a board meeting or on the news or an article they read. You quote real numbers. The other path you can go down is establishing yourself as a market expert. So let me just reiterate a bit. You can use data to answer very specific things for clients, but if you're not working with a client right now that needs that data, then shift your data focus to how you use it to disperse to your SOI and establish yourself as the expert. Don't wait for them to ask you. Show them how you know what, what's being talked about. Well, how you know what's going on in the market. Another little trick to the trade. So we'll use videos. Here's also our written blog on my website. Um, I used to author this. Um, now another guy on my team does. But we'll show that quarterly report. We'll slip in a few restaurant things or local business tips. But we're pretty heavy on data and statistics. If we see something from realtor.com, it's cool infographic. We'll use it, but then give our interpretation or spin on it. Funny thing is most of you are already doing these steps. You just may not know it. You're either reading your local board publication magazine, or you're reading your uh, national realtor magazine. You're going through these articles. So it's good if it's in here, but that's like, 1% of, of you learning. The other 99 is you need to use it in your business. So I'll take screenshots. If I just have my phone on me and I'm reading a, an article or something, I'll just take a picture of it, email it to myself, no matter where I'm at. Or I'll zoom in on the graph in the magazine if it's in print, take a picture, email it to myself. That's my task to remind myself on Monday when I get back to my office, I need to do something with that graph, okay? Whatever your methodology is, however you're gonna create those habits, read it, scan it to yourself. But if you take those little steps, the data really starts coming to life for you. Okay. So, once you perfect the art form and have decided how you're really gonna use it, you're really able to speed things up. So we can, I can be more boring, I could've, Open Excel and build spreadsheets for you. Um, but I'm just going to open it up to questions. Go ahead and start asking me questions, how I use things, or specific to market data, and uh, I'll help you. You've mentioned several times that you use the median price. Why median instead of average? That's a good question. So, just for recap, so people know, if there's a thousand homes that sold, home sale 500 if they're ranked in price is the median price. It's the middle sale, okay? Average, you'd add up all those thousand, divide them by a thousand, and that's your average number. The reason I'll quote median is I just find it to have less fluctuation than average. Um, for example, there's a market right below my office that's all kind of million dollar houses, but a couple months ago one sold for 12.9. So the smaller your data subs, your, your subsection, you know, there's only 15 sales, 
but the greater the ability for an outlier, either a really low one or a really high one, that average is going to get a little messed up, skewed. Okay. Um, that brings up one other kind of caution I should give you when you're running data. Another roadblock I've seen for agents is they get excited about this and they're empowered and enthused about infusing their businesses with real information and they're going to go home and become a market expert. But the first roadblock they get is pulling up reports and not quite knowing how to interpret them. If you put blinder goggles on and your standard report like this, it's really hard to get the full picture of what it is. If you step back, I call it the 10,000 foot level, um, you'll get a larger subset of data and then your information is a little more believable. Okay, <coughs> let me change that from stats talk to real human talk. Um, in my market, if I'm going to speak to the media, I, I, I'm on the news fairly often because I do that for all of our offices, I'll only quote county or larger area data. Because if I go to really quote a subset of data in a very boutique market, it confuses everyone that watched the news. <laughs> oh wait, this little spot by the ski hill appreciated 28% in the last quarter. And there's agents that'll quote that. And then they go back and look, whoa, 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 in one quarter we had 28% appreciation? Oh, whoops, that cause, that's because last quarter only nine homes sold, and then this quarter 11 sold, but one sold for 12.9 million. So it looks like the appreciation skyrocketed. That's not appreciation. Main point is when you go to grab data, one of your first gut checks is, where am I collecting this from? Okay, how reliable is my source? And how big is the pond I'm fishing in? Okay? The bigger the pond, the more believable. You should feel more confident in being able to quote those numbers. At the same time, if it's super big, like when I hear national real estate statistics quoted, by NAR, it drives me nuts. Because NAR releases an article and then all people in Utah are coming to me. Jake, are we gonna see a downturn this year? Blah, blah, blah. Not in my market, here's why. But then again, it's another opportunity to prove yourself as an expert. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways you win over clientele is to show them how the media is wrong and prove it with data. They're like, oh, my realtor knows something. I'm gonna use them for life. Good question. All right. What else? Is that reporting used in market resource? Yes. So we've got a version of the pretty version, not my table, but the pretty version in market resource. Yeah. If you go to Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Utah Properties, Will, are you still in here? No, Will. Okay. Um, we're under there. If not, just my name, Jake Breen at Gmail. Y'all can have my personal email. I'm better on email than I am on phone. Sorry. Uh, shoot me an email. I answer them. And I'm happy to help you out. Okay? Other questions? Yeah? You have one? Yeah? If you're farming an area, let's say, a large area, and then you have four or five small areas that are six, seven hundred homes there, yep. you do like the larger area and then localize it? for those homes there just so you can be that quote-unquote expert in that? Yep, that's a good question. So he said, if you're, shop, if you're kind of trying to be the expert in a boutique area, but you're also operating in a larger market, do you collect data for both? Um, I know it seems like I spend a lot of time collecting data, but I don't. It's maybe 
I try to do it fast, it's two, th two or 3% of my time. So what I will do is kind of get back to these few paths. If I'm collecting data simply to do videos and continually update my clientele, establish myself as an expert, um, be in front of my sphere, I'm usually quoting countywide data. It's small enough to go, wow, yeah, he's our Salt Lake guy, he knows Salt Lake, um, but also large enough to give me robust pieces of data. Um, I will shift gears and gather very specific things when I'm doing, when I'm answering a question. So, you know, if you're uh, trying to compete for a luxury listing, you can dive into, all right, for all the homes over a million here, what are our statistical chances of selling? And who, who dabbles a decent amount in luxury? Okay, here's what's really interesting about luxury. Um, I have found that a lot of top luxury agents have phenomenal relationships. They rely on those relationships, and a typical listing appointment goes like this. Wow, I just love this house, it's so gorgeous. And an hour later, the agent is saying to the customer, there's not a lot of comps. And what do you want to list it for? Let's just give it a try. Um, I'm, I'm downplaying a little bit. One of the top luxury agents in my office, I've been with her time and time again. She's phenomenal with people, but that's kind of her approach. There's been a new school approach coming in that's kind of lost her some listings. Not a lot, but a few. And she's starting to lose more and more because there's people who come in with real information and go, yes, Mr. Seller in luxury price range, I know everyone's floating your boat because they want your $3 million listing, who wouldn't? But the reality is, for your type of house in this area, let me give you the real numbers. Average days on market is over a year. Well, I just read in the news that average days in Salt Lake County is eight days on market. Yeah. They're quoting general statistics, right? Not in luxury, let me show you for your area. So, again, the point is never to be confrontational, but to establish yourself as the expert. It doesn't win over everybody, like I said. If you're a 10 out of 10 in personality, stick with that, okay? You'll just get them to sign your listing agreements without having to go over any data. But for the rest of us, that's, that's a way you can use it powerful. One of the most powerful ways to win people over is to come up with a phenomenal way to show them that they're not thinking on the right path, but do it eloquently enough to paint the real picture you need to paint to prove to them where their list price should be, or how long it's really gonna to take to sell. Who's had a listing that takes over a year? That's a crazy amount of work, isn't it? I mean, the first month, you're kinda of like calling them each week, giving them updates, but I mean, what do you do after six months? Right? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're, we're very international, and uh, you know, we do have those players in the market that are sale brokers, we have people that espouse things. And I'm wondering, I use data on commissions, too. Yep. The commissions, advertising commissions, maybe. Yep. And do you do that? Do you track that? Do you do that? I do. So we have, um, she asked, hey, she's in Florida. Uh, there's a lot of discount brokerages popping up, and she's tracking um, data on commissions collected, commissions paid. 
we have two MLSs in, in our main market. One of them tracks, that one doesn't. And so I'm able to get that data easily for one of them and not for the other. But when I need to, yeah, it's a powerful tool. Oftentimes, I'll kind of just take that question on with abate the, the how much you're paying in commission and go straight to what's their net going to be and, yeah. and jump to those numbers. Right, but the elephant in the room is you've got your cash back. Yep. And so, yep. you know, and, and uh, I... Do, I choose the same way, but I also bring the stats in. Yep. You know, just to yeah, I, and that's a good point too. I found the more you show people instead of tell them, hey, I'm here, this is my listing presentation, don't get me off tracks, so I gotta get through all the slides. I mean, trust me, you probably lost people worse than statistics lose them when, you, when, when we do that as sales folk. But if you're engaging, you're enacting, and then you're showing them data instead of telling them data, in an eloquent way, then it's a lot more believable, right? So yeah, if you can use that, use it. But also, if, uh, if you're a real, you could turn the question around. Well, if you're a real estate agent and uh, you got a person listed with four and you're listed for six, who you take? Uh, where you take your client to first? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's another quick way to to answer it. And and really, I. I'll usually refrain from popular sayings in our industry. Um, and try to answer the same things that other agents answer, but infuse it with data. Like, I would, I would say what he said, but I'd grab a report you have. In fact, our board says that that's in the presentation. Yep. Yeah, I, I have found that too. So she was kind of diving into her clientele, and I'll answer that this way. Um, if you take anything from this class, it's what we said at the beginning. First, you have to know your audience. So the gentleman that was sitting here nailed it, but usually when I ask that question in a class, hey, how's the market? People just start diving in. Well, in my market, da 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 And you've got to ask one question before you answer, how's the market? You need to find out about them. Okay. What are they trying to do in the market? It's opportunistic, um, why do you ask? But then the next steps are, what are you trying to prove, trying to get them to do, what's your point, and then how do you eloquently paint it? And you will start seeing, as data is more easily available, okay, everyone thinks they actually know what's going on and can interpret it. So where your value proposition is gonna get stronger and stronger, is actually being the expert to interpret it. It's funny. It's funny how everything got uploaded online and everyone thinks they're experts and they can do it themselves, yet we're still hiring attorneys. We're using agents 11% more now than we were five years ago, according to Gino's presentation yesterday morning, right? Well, why is that? Because there's so much being thrown at us that we need an expert to interpret it. So I'm telling you, for those elevator questions, the parties, just establish yourself as the expert. For me, the easiest way, read an article, get in the habit of sending it to yourself. Grab a graph once a month off the MLS and try just filming a video, even if it's just this. Guys, the tools are less important than actually going through the steps to create a habit to do it and keep it um, consistent in your business. 
promise you as you do, you'll have more closings. It's the number one thing I've done in my career. Thanks for coming. so dialed like, hey, my subset of clients for this market are in this yeah. CRM, and this, you know. So if I'm gonna do kind of a two market update, I'll just film it all in the same video, be like, hey, for all my Salt Lake clientele, hey, for my own mountain clientele, minute 30 seconds, minute 30 seconds, people. Right. Whereas if you're trying to edit, split them up. Yeah, so instead of doing two minute, two things, just do, do, do them all in one. We're not gonna draft for each. Yeah. You know, it's it's more about yes, you want delivery and presentation good, but it's also about speed. You got to be out selling, right? So grab it. And people want it. information, like yeah, it's, and, and it's got to be current, short and sweet. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Sure thing. Thank you. Jake, thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is from the training. Oh, thank you. So I'll see you tonight. Yep, sounds good. Just wanted to say thank you very much. I'm a dad person too. Train new agents, and all of that I use. Hey, perfect. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. I'm scared of the data, and I think you showed a different point of using the minimum and then the minimum. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. So one question. How would you do? How would you use the data 